Good afternoon. You're listening to Cannabis Corner on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, broadcasting live from downtown New Haven. We are streaming live on TuneIn Radio and NewHavenIndependent.org. We're also streaming live video on Facebook. Just go to Facebook.com slash New Haven Independent or go to your Facebook page and look us up. You can also hit C first to hear and see all the great programs we have here on WNHH and Cannabis Corner is also streaming live on ProCannabisMedia.com and Greenhaven Media Facebook. It is Monday, July 10th. Welcome to Cannabis Corner. I am your host, Joe Lachance, and I am joined by my illustrious co-host, as usual, Uncle Lou. Lou Vega, how are you today, my friend? I'm very excited to be here, Joe. Uh, very excited to see you. I think we have an absolutely amazing show today. Um, but other than that, how are you doing? How was your weekend? Oh, happy uh, 710 day for those who kind of yeah. in that subculture. So a uh, big shout out to everybody enjoying their times. And we actually get to talk to our guest today who has a lot of knowledge and in that area. So I'm super excited to always have uh, uh, Mike good enough with yeah. us. So I know we'll do the full intros and everything, but I'm very excited about this show. Um, there's two really great guests on today. Yeah, I think we put, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. I, <laughs> I do my best. But yeah, I'm here in Connecticut. It's nice to be back. I uh, celebrated Fourth of July. I mean, and the actual uh, first day of home grow. We missed all that. We've been off the air. But and then, of course, today is 710. So for those, I guess, who don't know, it's like the day of concentrates, right? 710 is oil backwards, right? Yeah, it's another one of those uh, nostalgic <laughs> things like May the th- May the 4th, like a Star Wars day or anything like Four that. 420, all that yeah, kind of that type of stuff. So it's fun. And um, you'll see people having little celebrations throughout the country doing their things. And so it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll all be celebrating too. But I yeah, think we always celebrate all the time. It's real. It's real nice to be back in Connecticut for a while. And uh, I, like I said, I've had a good time, and I'm looking forward to talking to Mike, who is actually here waiting to get on the show. So why don't we uh, not hesitate any longer and bring Mike Goodenough on? Uh, so, Mike, how are you? Mike Goodenough is. Uh, Passionate about scientific-based research efforts in the hemp processing industry and has partnered with local universities to study extraction techniques and efficiencies for several years. For more than 20 years, he has served on the board of directors of lo- numerous local charities and businesses, creating several nonprofit organizations, supporting people living with HIV AIDS, sheltering the homeless, supplying food pantries, 
providing assistance to veterans, supporting abused women and children in several youth organizations. Michael is a dedicated, uh, decorated Marine Corps combat veteran who brings the same pride and work ethic he displayed in the armed services to everything he does for his customers, community, company. Mike, how are you today? It's always a pleasure to see you. Hello, good sir. It's always a pleasure, hey. Mike. Hey guys, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It, uh, it's a continuous thing and you guys are amazing in the efforts you're doing. Well, thank you, Mike, and so are you. Uh, you've got a lot going on as usual. <laughs> I always like to see the different updates from you. Uh, as usual, of course, you have Sweet Heel, and uh, you guys are introducing, I believe, Connecticut compliant line of products. Yes, sir, that is really yes, cool. Then they were ready to go. Mike, tell, I would love to, you know, get the word out that there are good products and good people to work with there. And you're, you're at the top of the list and um, you guys are ready for the ever-changing landscape. That is this state. Yeah. Yeah. Tell it's been hard, right? That, it's, yeah. It's, it's been real hard. You know, I think the transformation that we're forced to go through um, you know, it's not just our hemp farmers, right? Every national brand was literally just booted out of the state. So, so Charlotte's web, you name it, anybody who has full spectrum in their products are gone. Um, so it's not just our hemp farmers, right? Every national brand, we just literally took THC and gave it to the dispensary, regardless of whether it's a national brand that's able to sell in every other state except for Connecticut, it doesn't matter anymore. And that is just absolutely unbelievable to me in every which way, shape or form. You know, we have a, we have a hemp law and that hemp law is federally set and federally put into place for a very specific reason. And I think, you know, our inability as a state of Connecticut to to protect the consumer. I mean, this is just a sheer bash to the consumer. Mm -hmm. You know, the consumers have a right to be able to access good medicine from quality top tier people. I know we wanted to get rid of the illegal products. The goal was get rid of the illegal products that are, you know, out there and plaguing and the, the Reese's PCs and all the other you know, million milligram the kind gas of crap. stations. They wanted yes. to get out of gas stations and convenience yep. stores. Yeah, they definitely went about it the wrong way. And that was something that's been vocally about. And uh, this definitely really hurt a lot of small businesses and hemocentric uh, individuals. And, you know, it's really tough. It I really, wanted to really ask tough. both of you guys a question of this. Uh, how does this affect web-based sales? Mm -hmm. so well, as, an, as, an, as a Connecticut company, are you still allowed to sell full spectrum over the internet? Yes, to everybody but a Connecticut resale, to a Connecticut address. Right. So you're telling me that if I have a Connecticut address, I cannot order from any website across the country that sells full spectrum. Legally products. correct. Legally. Now, will that Will that website prevent me? They, if they're a reputable business, they should. But it's hard to, because you can't, so like, if we were to use, there's certain uh, chemicals banned in Connecticut for agriculture. And so you can't have them delivered into the state. There's, uh, you know, different ammunition and firearm laws. They can't ship to certain states. There's even nutrients, right? There's even yeah, nutrient, nutrient laws on things. Yep. That, yeah, exactly. Yep. So, 
So let's say you, Mike, you have a website, you sell over, you do internet-based sales. Are you now going to have to restrict Connecticut addresses from your shipping list? Well, so me, Sweet Heel also expanded into Mass. So okay. my sales now transfer into Massachusetts, 100% uh -huh. of my sales. Connecticut will no longer receive a single penny of my tax money from sales. Um, and now my sales being in Connecticut, I'm not bound as a Connecticut root seller to actually have to follow Connecticut's laws unless Connecticut is going to send their police to my Massachusetts door to enforce it. So will I punish the Connecticut consumer? No, not at all. Not until I see Charlotte's Web and everybody else shut down. And at that point, I'll follow suit. But this is the foundation of how, you know, Oakland really started, right? They put together groups of lawyers and they said, hey, we will fight anyone who can't take our packages delivered to you so you could have your THC delivered to you at home, right? They said, you have a right to get your medicine from anywhere. You don't have to be locked to the corruption of your state. You can buy penicillin from another. You could. You have a right to get your 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 medicine from anywhere you choose, and so as long as it's within the the U.S. Right. So, I don't know. You know, no. I'm. I am until I see everyone else. I'm not. I'm not excluding anyone from our our technology. And okay. to be quite frank, that's an additional cost. Right. So now right. that's a technology advancement. Yeah. Yep. So we will still manufacture in Connecticut. I'm going to manufacture for our Connecticut, for our Massachusetts, um, for our Massachusetts sales org. And my sales will now um, be sent to uh, to Massachusetts and Massachusetts will reap the reward. Oh, well, okay. That's one that's way one around way it, you know. It. And that's advice for everybody. You know, if you're able to do that, decide where your tax dollars go. Yeah. You know, that's basically what it is. And you have a lot of power with that. Yeah. And so so for the consumers out there, they might still be able to look online. And let's just give, leave it at you know, that. And give a the plug to the website. On. That way, you know, that way people, if they're looking for something after the, the switch over, you know, if you jump on Sweet, is Mike, what's the website? Sweetheal.com. Sweet, S-W-E-E-T. And then heal is in healing the body, H-E-A-L.com. Okay. So and they can that find way you're a purchasing from it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and Connecticut compliant products as well. So either one. Yeah, See, so that's good both. to know. So that's good to know. People should know that that even though there maybe their choices are lim will be limited. Right now we can still do it up until October first. That there are other options, possibly online, and we'll leave it at that. So the next thing so I want to with that October first, Joe. Because what's that? even with the October first part, there, Joe. It, it it's the com the compliance portion of it and the enforcement portion of it. You know what I mean? Bingo. Like I'm not a lawyer. I don't give legal advice, but I'm, I guarantee a lot of the gas stations and small shops that don't necessarily stay tuned to what's going on. will just keep doing things under the guise of ignorance. You know what I mean? Right. Um, oh, it's going to take time. Because I, I remember they tried this with Delta Eight a while ago, and it didn't really work for them. Well, and that's that's the point. This law doesn't does no good in helping work. them to govern. Their governance should have existed before this law ever came about, and so there was no additional funding that went to agents. There was no additional. So, what does this really do? That is what I'm perplexed by. Why did we waste our own time? In the House, why did we waste our own time with political discussions if this is not something enforceable? And if it is, then on, and I know Charlotte's Web has been I've been in contact with Charlotte's Web consistently. I know that they've been they have a 
page up on their website to contact the governor and tell him he's an idiot. All right. It's not yeah. stay. It doesn't say that at all. Let me not. It, it's a very professional letter. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's just ludicrous. And yeah, we have, you know, our brands, we lost about 40%, 40% of the brands in Connecticut are going to, are going to fold up. And, uh, you know, the reality is, is that they gave us the little dangling participle that we can get our, our products into the, uh, into the dispensaries. But I got to be really honest with you guys, man, at the end of the day, the cultivators that are going to be growing are not going to be able to cultivate right off the rip in that same perspective. And so I think their ability to grow that one acre outdoor is really going to target some of that hemp based product. And so I don't know if there's even a market for us to step into in these, these dispensaries. Um, and so it's a very, you know, it's a very perplexing kind of situation that we're in right now where we're ready, to, but I don't want to go into a single dispensary that's, I might go into fine fettle, but I don't want to go into a single other dispensary that's out there. You got to be yeah. kidding me. You got to so wait till the new for... ones. I mean, unfortunately, there is a bunch that are waiting to open and, yep. and you know, it's going to take time. And those are the ones and that are going to be owned by social equity applicants and people who are more likely to support the local growers and maybe Agreed. that's where you have a shot but yeah i agree but we can't you know, steal from their business either right we What's can't that? steal from their we can't steal from their business either they're just going to be starting up and if yeah. they can actually produce hemp-based products then why would well, i ask them we'll, to their absolutely right some right. of them will be able to some of them will, you know will just be straight up dispensaries but the landscape will change and i, I want people to know there is hope you oh, know yeah. i always try to say there's hope and oh, um, yeah we can make a 15 milligram tincture that has 25 milligrams in it and a, and a consumer can choose to drink it as a small shot. And now they have the ability, but that's a tincture and there's 25 doses in there. And our recommended use is one drop, right? right? We can make, we can make chocolates and candies that are one milligram each that are the size of a kiss, a Hershey kiss. And we can put them into packages of five units. And then we can say, you can buy one and get four for free. Right. right? Yep. Yep. So that, that runs with the same way sugar-free, fat-free Pam sprays are. The, the dosing yes. size on it is like one-eighth of a second spray. You know what I mean? Who uses one-eighth of a second spray? You spray the thing for five, six seconds. You know what I mean? Yep. So uh, it, that's that's the, as stupid as it sounds, it's the workarounds that you, know, you have to figure out. And it's such a headache because they put so much restriction on something that shouldn't be, you know Agreed. what I mean? And I mean, honestly, this goes back to that method of extraction. We're lucky. We chose fractional white film distillation. I can remove THC and keep it full spectrum yep. and still make a 4,000 4, milligram lotion that's full yep. spectrum. And I can rip it down to the right amount of THC that has to be in there, 25 milligrams, right? Mm -hmm. So we will continue to have our product line. But what just got impacted completely was that entourage effect. Without yeah. that THC oh, equipment, yeah. what is that consumer's experience going to be? It's going to change. I have continuity in those consumers. They love what my lotion does or my whatever the product is that they love. That Every single one of my products are going to change a little bit. And some people might be very prone to that. And some people might actually enjoy it more too. So it just, it changes my, my core value of consistency. I lose the consistency that I've built for the past two, three years, however many freaking years we've been doing this, I've forgotten now, you know? And so it's brand impact. 
Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it, it, it is going to impact a lot, and they're going to we're all going to have to adapt. And, and that if they brings, need that product, just buy it online from your website, and it'll come from an out of state. Uh, that's right. That's and right. That, this brings me to my second thing I wanted to talk about you the need for some kind of alliance or uh, unification. And let's highlight that event coming on right now. You know what I mean? Please, <laughs> yes, please this share is the what I wanted to talk up. about next. The, the, the Connecticut Cannabis Small Business Alliance is launching this Thursday, July the 13th, yep. from 4 to 6 p.m. up uh, at the Turnkey on 546 South Broad Street in Meriden. Now, Mike, I, are you, you are going to be involved in this, uh, uh, yes? Yeah, so this was, you know, listen, we've all talked about this many a times. Each one of us have talked about this so many times. I think when we saw, you know, the the chambers and other alliances forming around us and we felt the radical, uh, I'm going to call it a radical failure because I'm on a very different side of the fence than, than some of the other folks that do end up supporting them. You know, they're they're. Um, you know, they're focused on the the the, the uh, dispensaries right now. They really are. I mean, I think the larger aspects, right? None of my hemp farmers can become a part of it. None of our retail stores can become a part of it. I can't. Nobody, yeah. I, I can't. You, can. you I can't, can't either? It. Oh, can't, I can't afford, afford it. it. Right. Right. Like, no, I, <laughs> like, that's it, a whole it, other that's a, that's a whole other part of what we're building. Like we need right. someone to help with merchant accounting, with logos, with labels, with brands, with bottles, with display cases, with legal, with uh, security, with gas to service deliveries. We need a real alliance around everyone who supports cannabis and not exclusionary. And, and Lou, to your point, you know, our big sponsors, their sponsorship dues are actually going to pay for the sponsorship of people who can't afford it, that don't right. even have a business yet, that want to form a business. And in the first six months, they can join into our innovation group and they can discuss their ideas where we're building a bunch of AI. So if you're a retail sales, you're going to have access to an AI platform. If you're doing all of these businesses, will have an AI platform to give you answers and questions. And then additionally, we're going to have the mentors. So Lou, people like yourselves will be mentors to the people out there um, and help them along the way. But we're enabling them with people, with tools and within the first and with structure. We expect that they build a business model within the first six months if they don't have an idea yet. But if they want to do hempcrete or phytoremediation or they want to make a pre-roll or they want to whatever their dream is, we're going to help inspire what that is. And we're going to drive other alliance partners through that exact same direction to enable them with merchant accounting and web, whatever it is. Yep. And, um, you know, ultimately those large size sponsors, they will pay the small fee for initial small businesses that don't have any revenue generation. And then for those that can't right. afford their first year at a hundred dollars, they can, they can pay their hundred dollars the next year it increases, but that's because we expect that the Alliance helps them to build their business and improve their business. And if you're wealthy enough to be a large size sponsor, then your, your dues actually cover the dues of some of the people that can't. And right. so, you know, these alliances are huge and everybody should look for something an affiliate group, um, this is a good local one right now that's forming and you guys will definitely be able to take 
I, I, I always say make sure to come and join a, an organization. So I'll give a shout out to Minority Cannabis Business Association and Minorities for Medical Marijuana. Those I've joined ages ago and everybody kind of knows about them now, but this is a new place for a local area and this would definitely be a great place to start. Um, can, what date again, time again, location, because our next guest is coming in. We're not kicking you out, but she would also, I would love her jump in there as well. Another medical professional and kind of, Absolutely. In that whole, you know what I mean? Yeah, Mike, like, I want uh, you to hang out if you can. Yes, please. I want to love talk to. about home grow and how yes. people can make their own medicine with their own grown stuff. So I want to. And plug in your Sunday, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, your yeah, Sunday so class. The Thursday event is July is this 13th It's this Thursday, four to six. And that's down in Meriden. If you Google turnkey, T-U-R-N-K-E-Y, it's their building that we're utilizing. Um, and again, everybody, look, we don't have a board. We don't have rules right now. This is being built by the people for the people. And so if you want to have influence, this is the moment to actually start to engage with that influence. Um, and then uh, um, the uh, what was the other thing you said, plug? Your yeah, uh, yeah. Sunday's class. Oh, <laughs> we teach a cultivation extraction. We teach a class around everything cannabis every Sunday at our shop uh, down on in Meriden, also at thirteen seventy one East Main, um, and uh, it's all about everything cloning, everything cultivation, everything extraction, everything formulation, lab reviews, differences in laws, you name it. And it's good for somebody who wants to start growing at home to learn the basics and get going right a hundred percent and collaborate with other people doing the same and i right. think that's yeah. a that's a lot of the value add is the other new growers um are are very much in support of each other right so this is kind of a, a similar thing where people can come network with other growers talk about genetics maybe pick up clones genetics and get their garden started and then come back on a weekly basis for tips and and help along with their grow. So this is something that is very good for the amateur or even uh, already existing home grower, correct? A hundred percent. Let's bring in Lisa. <laughs> Let's bring in Lisa. All right. Lisa Capitan is, Capitani is joining us. Hold on one second. And Lisa, and I want to make sure I stop sharing that. I did. Okay, good. Hold on. Sorry, guys. I'm in a different location than usual. Lisa Capitani, MBA, BSNRN, is Connecticut's professional nurse expert in conscious healing with cannabis and enthogenic medicines. Lisa is an experienced nurse and a medical cannabis patient. She holds a college-level certificate in medical cannabis care and is the manager of operations for Doctors for Cannabis Regulation. Combining her love of cannabis medicine and education, Lisa published Weed Week, a seven-day journal challenge and introduction to her unique healing approach. Lisa founded Nine Ledges LLC, where she works one-on-one -on -one with clients to customize their cannabis experience, integrate experience, and maximize outcomes through holistic health and lifestyle interventions. Lisa is passionate about advocacy around issues that impact public health and disparities, mental health, and the nursing workforce. From helping individuals gain confidence navigating the healthcare system, to working as a volunteer advocate on the CT Nurses Association Government Regulations Committee. Lisa, welcome to the show. I know this is your first time, so thank you for Thanks, coming Cheryl. on. Very excited to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. I'm excited. It's nice Excellent. to see you all. Excellent. 
So you are an RN. So you have been in the medical industry for a while. Yes. And moved over in what motivated you to move from typical medical nursing over into cannabis nursing? Well, I started out at a young age knowing I wanted to go into medicine. It it called to me as a high school kid when I took biology class. And by the time I finished high school, I was a state certified EMT and working overnights, hanging out at the fire station, waiting for emergency calls. And I just knew that was where I wanted to, to be working in the emergency room. Um, and I did that for the, the first few years of my career. And it's a really, really challenging education and then place to work. Um, and I burned out quickly. And then I very quickly, um, in 2010, I was in a, a pretty bad accident. And so I became the patient and I had that experience of, of recovering from a, a serious traumatic injuries um, and having the experience of the healthcare system from, from the bed was a, a big eye-opening experience for me. Um, and it derailed my career for sure because I couldn't go back to the level of, of physical work that uh, being an ER nurse or, or any kind of bedside nurse uh, entails at that time. And so for a long time, I lost my way in nursing and I did what I could do and not what I wanted to do, or, um, even gave my chance myself a chance to explore what it was that I wanted to be doing. Uh, and life happens and you kind of just get stuck in a, in a routine and, and you stop seeing potential at a certain point. Um, until the pandemic, which I think changed a lot of things for a lot of people, uh, but healthcare providers, especially, um, we had to make a choice, a lot of us, on how we were going to continue doing the job that we do. Uh, and I couldn't. I just couldn't. Physically, couldn't do it anymore. And um, in an attempt to recover from the illness and injury that I was living with in 2020, um, had some some more bad experiences as a patient uh, with the healthcare system, as a as an employee with the healthcare system, uh, just the dehumanizing nature of, of what it's become to be a patient. To become a business, country. become a business. Yeah, and so I ended up like a lot of people looking to, looking to cannabis as an alternative to the other options that the system was giving me, which was pharmaceutical drugs, pain management, psychiatric care, things that I knew I probably could use, but weren't gonna actually fix my problem. It ended up being cannabis that actually fixed most of my problems. And it it was a, a medicine and a plant that I've had a relationship with for most of my adult life. Uh, but as a Western trained healthcare provider, I was very uh, conditioned just to not see it that way. You know, mm -hmm. both my training and my growing up as a kid with D.A.R.E., I just never, despite having been someone who has survived traumatic brain injury and PTSD. And so I know physically inside what this medicine does for me and how it improves my symptoms and how it makes life more manageable for me. But I wasn't able to really fully acknowledge that um, until I was really just, everything got turned upside down and I was out of a job and trying to figure out how to navigate my own health situation. And, um, and once I started to use cannabis with this intentionality and, and this passion for learning everything I could learn about it, and then 
opening up to letting it teach me what it wanted to teach me about it. Um, I just have become very passionate about sharing this knowledge and helping people learn to uh, use use cannabis, but also to use consciousness and intention to reach health goals and and better our quality of life. Well, yeah, I think what a lot of people don't realize that it's it's a whole you have to have a holistic approach. So it's not just the cannabis medicine. It's also you have to work on mindset, because as we know, if you've gone through PTSD or even if you have chronic pain or an illness, it affects your mental health as well. It becomes the focus of your life. And you have to, you know, like you say, do mindfulness training and, and learn kind of to reprogram yourself for health instead of illness. But that's a whole nother topic. But I wanted to get back to cannabis medicine uh, and and what, you know, I know you're really big into DIY medicine, right? Yes. Because obviously there are dispensaries available and we can all get cannabis through the dispensaries. However, their selection is limited. Their, uh, their THC, their strength or their concentration of of medicine is not always the best. And sometimes, especially now with homegrown, this is what we were speaking to Mike about, especially now with people having homegrown, they can also start learning how to utilize the entire plant. And and every bit of it can be used to make medicine out of. this, This is correct, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's, um, there's so much potential. It goes, it goes beyond just turning flour into a different way to consume flour, right? And I, my personal experience with cannabis has been that I've really, I've learned a lot about the minor cannabinoids, our CBD and our CBDA and our CBG, these different potential effects that they have, the entourage effect that Mike talked about earlier, so important. And and what I've found personally is that it's more than just one medicine for me. If I combine two strains, I can have a completely different effect than I have with one or the other. Um, And so intuitively have been working with the medicine that way and and combining it in ways that feel right for me and i and i've learned that that's not um as intuitive for some people i had mentioned recently that um even just in consuming flour sometimes i don't need the full dose of thc and i don't want to be fully impaired and i found that if i combine a little bit of thc flour with a little bit more cbd flour i can make my own one-to-one or two-to-one strain and people have said you know oh my goodness i i am a begging at the dispensary for one-to-one strains all the time and never thought to mix these things together and so for what felt really intuitive to me, I realized was something that not everybody does naturally. And so giving giving some tips and ideas about how to work with the medicine in order to make it work better for each individual person is what's so amazing to me about, about cannabis. It's just the potential is unlimited. And if you can commit to working with it and it's it's definitely a process you know it's not like you can pick up one one item and fix all of your symptoms right we all know that and sometimes we uh, when we talk about cannabis people get that impression that we're saying it's this miracle drug it, it fixes everything and i think in a lot of ways it does but 
it doesn't do it by itself. It does it with the help of the people that are taking it and using it and using it to care for others. And so, yeah, especially with home grow, you've got such a large amount of raw material now that you can work with as a home grower. Um, we've got the potential to set up cooperative arrangements with with small groups and friends and families where we can you know, one one person grows the indica and one person grows the sativa and one person does the, the tinctures with all the trim. And we have the opportunity to really share our resources here and build an economy that isn't reliant on some of the practices that we don't agree with and that we don't want to support with our tax dollars, right? Right. No, I agree. And I think Mike was saying that he does that on Sundays. He's He's gathered together quite a group of growers right. together and and this is where you're right somebody could gather up all the 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 trim the sugar leaves and and make tincture out of that because even those have valuable cannabinoids in them even the stalks right yeah. have valuable cannabinoids yeah. in them even the root balls right if i'm not correct that has some of the the richest cannabinoids in it the root the root balls themselves and and what are the kind of medicines that you can make out of roots uh, go for it go ahead, Mike. no so the root is often you know the root can be used more um herbally so it goes back to more root-based uh medicine to be quite frank with you um remember the root is exposed to all of the different brilliant bacteria that are down within that soil that mycorrhizae layer um and so they're they're actually experience a very different um, effect in the top of that plant. So much like you're getting a good level of starch, much like you're getting a good level of, uh, of, and there's even a high dosage of, of iron you're finding in the root, which needs to be cautious for certain people that have iron inefficiencies or issues with high iron. Um, but it comes back to more of a root based, uh, medicine, but to your original point, um, you know, the, the use case that goes behind the whole plant, you know, the leaf, we juice the leaf and then we freeze dry out the water and we make a concentrated powder that's the equivalent to a wheatgrass powder or to a spinach based powder that you would put into your protein drinks. Right. But the key there is that you need to make sure that those are very, very clean when you're using a water based extraction process, water, most molds, most of those things they're all going to show up in that extraction method. Right. So a lot of people have to be very careful when you're doing extraction with ethanol, for example, it kills all of those things, right? So people have to understand that just because I can extract the bud with ethanol, it does not mean I can extract dirty leaves or, or let's say leaves that have any type of negative uh, um, to them um, in a water, right? So a lot of people are jumping heavy into water-based extraction, bubble hash, amazing. It's great. It's core to what the, the plant actually is for so many different ways, but if it's taken from a plant that is not almost perfect, it will carry all of those problems and those salts and those other things. So um, yes, completely. And I think that comes back to holistic medicine. Holistic medicine always taught us how to make sure we wash, clean, treat any vegetable or anything that we're about to use, right? So sorry, yeah, that, that's, that would be my two cents. 
Okay. All right. And yeah. how about you, Lisa? Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. Getting into the root is it, that is like working with a different, a different medicine, but um, yeah, a lot of those, those processes that Mike just mentioned with the water-based extractions and stuff that I would consider a little more advanced than I would recommend people start with for DIY. Um, I tell people, I, I really like making oil-based infusions as a first step. Um, it teaches you the process of decarboxylation, which is really important when you're learning to make your own medicine, depending on whether whether or not you want active cannabinoids in your product. Um, so you learn that process. And then the, the oil-based infusions in general are, are less expensive than the alcohol-based infusions. And just in general, because alcohol is... Um, you know, it's more dangerous to work with alcohol around heat sources and open flames. So to start out, I generally will tell people to start with an oil-based tincture. And I personally have had, you know, very good luck with creating my own um, that I use as my daily um, daily medicine. Um, and there are options now to get your products tested. You usually have to drive up to Massachusetts to do it, but um, that can be a something that hinders people from from wanting to try and do their own. They say, "Well, I can get a tested product from the store," um, and and I agree. And I only recommend that people use either medicine they've grown themselves, so they know 100% the technique it was grown with and where it came from and what went into it, and they or they look for products really they become an informed consumer and they know what they're looking for as the products that go into their medicine. And that's what really is so great about DIY is that you are in control of every little molecule that goes into that medicine. And therefore you can be really, really picky about the ingredients that you're using. Um, so I encourage people to learn to have a good criteria for choosing a product that they're going to put into their medicine. There's a great cr criteria called the flow criteria, F-L-O-W. It was created by a nurse named Jan Jana Champagne, and it um, stands for um, <clears throat> flower derived. Sorry, let me find my note. Um, lab tested, organic and whole, spec whole plant spectrum. So again, flower derived and whole plant spectrum because we know with the entourage effect that we get better effects when we use medicine that comes from the whole flower and the whole plant than if we try to do a component of a bunch of different isolates is much more poorly tolerated. That's been seen in the, in the trials for the pharmaceutical drugs where patients tend to not want to use the prescription forms of um, THC because there's no entourage effect there. So the risk of side effects from a THC dosage that's high enough to combat nausea or vomiting from chemo is high enough to cause the anxiety and paranoia and tachycardia that taking that much THC from whole flour would cause, but without the balanced out effects of the terpenes and the other cannabinoids that right. can, can sort of counter those effects. So Flower derived yes. plant spectrum, organic when possible. That one's hard because there really aren't a lot of USDA organic hemp products out there yet. Um, but knowing that you have the option to call people up and say, what products are you growing? What are you using for pesticides? How do you treat X, Y, Z? And encouraging people to become an informed enough consumer to know which questions to ask you know, and know, know what their own personal criteria are, helps us all to demand better from the industry across. Yeah. The 
Yeah, I couldn't agree with Lisa more. So that that whole plant, let's let's talk about that for a second, right? Whole plant is Rick Simpson oil, right? It's not just full spectrum. You're talking about the natural fats and waxes and lipids that come with that original plant matter. So if we look at the research that just came from the research symposium, which had research from URI, UConn, and we were looking at the endocannabinoid system and to pass through the barrier of the digestive tract or the skin, both of those organs, right? The organs within those paths, we need to have a lipid that carries the um, uh, the molecule through that barrier to the bloodstream. And the ones that are most, most effective is a protein, right? So whether it's a fat, a sugar, whether it's a wet, now the natural lipid from the plant the black stuff that makes our oil look black as opposed to golden, that is the natural lipid, the carrier, which is why whole plant is so freaking critical, right? And I totally agree with that. Um, and then go back to the concept of what she was talking about with the isolate variation. Look, we have to have an isolate to do a medical study. You have to be able to isolate something to put your finger on that thing does this. Yeah. But when we take an isomer and I cause things to bond together while I carve off other pieces, it increases and intensifies that bond in that molecule and it does change its bioavailability. It truly does. Yes, it might be the same molecule, but you cause pieces to be broken off and added and other parts to bond together. So everything Lisa just said is absolutely imperative, imperative. Yeah, the, the isomers can really change the way that the either the affinity, which is the desire that the molecule has to bond with our cells or how the molecule actually does bond with our cells, which can change the effect that we get from the medicine and make it more or less effective or tolerable. Right. It's like the difference between a vape pen and smoking a joint. I mean, the effects are totally different because you're you're getting the entire plant when you smoke a joint, and when you this is pretty much THC, you know, and that's it. It's it's a, it's, it's really a, yeah. It's a matter it, of the, where the product came from, how it was made. There's so many factors that um, yeah. that determine what the end effects are, and that's why I'm such a proponent for the DIY and and really being involved in in the process and making the medicine is just such an intentional way of being a cannabis patient. And studies have shown over time that patients who are involved in their care and help to make the decisions regarding their care have better outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so what better way than to build our own custom personalized medicine ourselves in the way that we feel good about. I just, I know from my own experience that I have had better health outcomes from that experience than I did from 13 years of recovering from an accident and an injury. Right. Yeah. And I've seen, I've heard that from a lot of people, you know, the, the side effects are, are completely, there are no real major side effects to using cannabis, whereas using pharmaceuticals as a whole. And now I like to throw this one in there now because we're, you know, psilocybin is becoming so much more accepted in everything that's going on. What are some of your thoughts of, of mixing psilocybin in with uh, THC and creating that continued plant medicine uh, and even mushrooms in general, non-psilocybin mushrooms. Sure. Sure. I'm glad you asked about that, Lou. Um, I've, I love mushrooms. I've been studying and foraging for mushrooms for, for over 10 years. Um, and I, and I love what 
the potential that psilocybin, it's not even potential. We know what psilocybin can do. We've known since we've been studying it in the 50s. It's just a matter of the what's been shared with the public and what's been published and, and what people generally believe to be true hasn't caught up yet. Um, and I and I fully support efforts to legalize um, and decriminalize psilocybin, although um, we could talk about the the legislation that's being proposed in Connecticut, but um, there's there's issues with it. But um, as a nurse and as you know, someone who has a, a license uh, that could be revoked by the state, I um, I don't support and I don't I don't suggest that anyone do things that are illegal, right? So there are definitely legal safe places to go use psilocybin and to go uh, have an experience with psilocybin. Connecticut isn't one of those places yet. However, there is um, an often overlooked uh, message that keeps coming back to me and that I am getting really excited to talk more about. And that is the fact that cannabis is a psychedelic. Um, the psychedelic movement seems to have forgotten that and seems to have taken for granted the fact that almost 75% of the people in this country now have access to a legal source of a psychedelic medicine. The only difference between cannabis as a psychedelic and psilocybin is that we're not using it in the same way with the same intentions. When we take cannabis and we use it in a ritual setting where we address an intention ahead of time and we let the medicine work through us that way, we can absolutely have psychedelic experiences. You you may have. I know I have. I have. I've had. I've and, tripped on on weed. Yeah. Mostly edibles. Had, but... Oh yeah, I've tripped on weed. <laughs> yep, mostly and edibles. <laughs> yep. And one and of the really one of the really cool things about that is so one of the main uses of psilocybin that we understand that we're studying that we're going to have approval by the government for is for PTSD. Mm-hmm. And the hard thing about using psychedelics to work with PTSD is that it takes control away. And people who have been the victims of trauma have a very hard time feeling that loss of control. And that can be what causes really difficult psychedelic experiences that can be worked through and with a good facilitator or a good guide those experiences are are manageable. The difference though with cannabis is that we retain that control. It's very easy to go from a psychedelic mindset with cannabis to just something as simple as sitting up yep. or turning a light on can just make you go, oh, man, I'm so high. I'm just so <laughs> right. high. And oh, yeah. snap you right yeah. out of that experience, which is something that if you're in a dark night of the soul on psilocybin, you don't have that opportunity. No. And so for someone facing trauma and who's interested in trying psilocybin and who wants to explore that route. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. But cannabis can be a way to sort of train yourself to go into those experiences yeah. later and to practice with the medicine and to let let it guide you to some of that understanding and trust of the inner voice, which you need if you're going to go into a healing ceremony with a psychedelic. So yes, I agree. Cannabis can be used in an entirely different way, almost like a meditative spiritual experience, right? I think, yeah, the, and that's I think what... the key word, I think the key word that keeps getting brought up is that ritual, you know, it, this is a ritualistic habit, and a lot of us connect to that in many different ways, you know, yeah. as simple as um, 
that that after work joint that you know after a long day you sit and now you roll it you break up your ear your cannabis it it becomes something that is not just the act of actually smoking and taking in the medicine but that whole ritualistic with intention yeah uh, goes a really long way yeah, yeah. That, two two things on that real quick one is that there are uh, there's a researcher named Mario Martinez who studies psychoneuroimmunology, in other words, the mind-body connection and how that affects our health through the lens of medical anthropology. So how the mind-body connection is affected by the fact that we live in a society, right? And he studies uh, centenarians or people that live to be over 100 years old. And he talks about how many, many centenarians smoke cigarettes or smoke a pipe or have a, a martini every single day and they still live to be 100 years old and they don't develop addictive habits and it's because they base that use around ritual the it's ritual, that yeah. one cigar they smoke every night as they unwind after work or it's that one cocktail they have with their best friend on the porch every afternoon it's always associated with some kind of other self-care ritual so that i thought was very cool that there is there is evidence that um, including ritual, even with some of our more vice-like habits, can make them more functional and, and be healthy habits for us. And right. then the other point I wanted to make on that is that, yes, the, the ritual also brings in that intention part of it. And that was what made all the difference for me with cannabis. And that's what my journal, uh, Weed Week, is all about. It's all about taking the time to sit with why am I about to use this medicine? What do I hope to accomplish during this session of use with this medicine? And then watching over a period of a week to see how that affects your overall stress level and your overall out mindset and outlook on life. And people that have done the challenge and have um, given me feedback have had a, a wide range of experiences with it. Um, some have gone as far as saying, you know what, I realized that I'm not using cannabis to my best advantage and I need to stop for a while, which I thought was a really interesting outcome. And some people have had the clarity throughout the week to say, you know what, I'm done with my job. I hate it. It's toxic. I can't do it anymore. And they've quit their job before the end of the week. That's happened more than once. Wow. So even though it's relatively new and, and only a handful of people have experienced my my journal, I've gotten really significant uh, and where can people it. get your yeah, journal? Speaking of that, like, tell us yeah. how they can get this it journal. Like how that's going to be in the making, in all honesty. Yeah, yeah, that's my goal is to just keep getting out and talking about it. Um, Weed Week's available on Amazon. It's also available directly from me on my website. I know a lot of people don't like to buy from the. What's big your companies. website? My website is lisacapitani.com. Okay, and and you have social media. How do people reach you on social media? On Instagram, I'm at CT underscore Cannabis Nurse. And then on Facebook, just find me as Lisa Capitani. Um, I'm on LinkedIn more for professional contacts. If you want to reach out there, I'm always interested in collaborating on community education. Um, I participate on some of the fun activities with Connecticut and the hiking club. So I'll plug them real quick because we have a really good time. Yes. Uh, we're always looking for others to join us and promote themselves through sponsorships and, and promotions. Um, and then this week, um, 
next week on on Wednesday night, I should hopefully be heading down to Burn and Learn in Branford, and I'm going to have a little talk down there on this concept of psychedelic cannabis and talk about maybe getting a group together to start start kind of practicing um, some of the methods that I've recently learned about and have been implementing. So That's next uh, Wednesday. And what's your website again? LisaCapitani.com. Okay, very, very right. good. We have a, I, Mike, we have a I want to, you want to do a little plug? Yeah, <laughs> uh, Sweetheel.com, S-W-E-E-T-H-E-A-L.com. Um, of course, we have uh, we have the new Small Business Alliance or the new Business Alliance, and we also have uh, our dispensary that's opening up, hopefully this week, Himalayan High, uh, Himalayan High LLC.com up in Beckett, Massachusetts. Okay. Congratulations. Now again, congratulations. This, yeah, congratulations on that, Mike. People should just, it's just a, a short trip over the border. People should come up and visit you. Less tax up there in Massachusetts, and it's very good products. Um, I wanted to plug the date, the time, and everything of that meeting this Thursday. Mm -hmm. I will be there. I'm going to show up. Yep. Very wow. interested. I'm sure Uncle Lou, I don't know, even know if Lisa will be. Maybe we'll all be there. We can all I believe yeah. everybody will be there. So tell us uh, that it's Thursday night, 4 to 6 p.m. What's the address again? It's 546 South Broad Street, Meriden, Suite 3E, as an echo. Okay, and they can look up Turnkey on Facebook and find out more info about it. But it's very important, I think, that people um, show up. It's a great way to network, meet each other, and it's going to be a real nice grassroots organization. Now we focus more on local, small entrepreneurs and building and growing the community of cannabis that already exists, you know, and just helping everybody make, you know, whatever uh, business they want, whatever dreams they have into reality. Mike, I really appreciate you organizing that. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody Thursday night. Thank you again, Lisa, for coming on. That's, and uh, you can reach her on social media and her website. Pick up that uh, journal. That would be great. That Weed Week journal. Lou, any last, right. anything last, any last Everybody words? Everybody stay happy, healthy, and high. Enjoy their time. Harry's telling us we got to go. I want to say uh, we love you all, guys. Joe, it's great to have you back over here for a little while. See you guys Thursday. I will see you all Thursday night. I will be there looking forward to it. You can see me on social media at Joe the Weed Guy or at Greenhaven Media, or at Cannabis Corner Radio. I am all over the place. But anyway, we will see you all Thursday night and next week when we have the great Danny Danko coming on. So thanks again. Mike, you're getting a thumbs up from everybody. Have a great day. Enjoy. Be well. Happy 710. La, Nice to be in Connecticut, everyone. I'll see you around. I was gonna clean my room until I got high. I was gonna get up and find the broom, but then I got high. My room is still messed up, and I know why. Why, man? Yeah, cause I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. Before I got high, come on, y'all. Check it out. Uh, I could have cheated and I could have passed, but I got high. Uh, uh.